Hello. 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 It is September 18th, 2020. CGS at night. 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. If you'd like to text or call anytime, 971-320-4123. You can also email us at cgf000, the number three, at gmail.com. And you can check us out at our website, alloncg.org. Bear with me, I'm still <laughs> working on the website, so I would like uh, to take this time and welcome everyone that is replay listening. Um, I love you, <laughs> but it is God. I just learned this, guys. Who <laughs> loves? you most. <laughs> oh, I was something else. Uh, it is 7.05 p.m. I normally try to give uh, everyone like five minutes to come in the room before I actually start uh, getting right into it so um, I'll give it a couple more minutes before huh. Huh. this is so new and I love it. Okay. All right. I'm going to go into prayer right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity yet again to come to you and ask for your guidance to come to you and depend on that guidance. We can't do it without you. I would like to repent for my sins, Father God, that I know that I have committed. Repent of those sins I don't know that I've committed. And Father God, thank you so much for forgiving me of those sins. 
I cannot do anything without you. And I trust you. I trust your word. I trust that you are alive and breathing, that you have the almighty anointed power to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I can just constantly just say it over and over again for whether we have the things that we want, you always supply all of our needs. In Jesus' name, I pray that those that are going to come in the room will be touched by only you. Those that aren't able to come in the room uh, by choice, by uh, things that they cannot uh, control. Um, and the replay listeners get the same strength and power, same touch from the seeds that we're planting that you completely water. That is our desire, is that they get one touch from you. Because I know and I believe and I trust that when they get that touch, it's a touch like no other, and that they will be changed. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God. Amen. Let the words of my mouth be pleasing in thy sight. All right, guys, we're going to get right into it, okay? So, the first song that I am going to play. is going to be So Glad I'm Saved by, um, by Canton, Canton Jones. Um, and I don't have the lyrics for that, so I'm just going to play the video. At Wheelworks, we're driven to keep your engine running smoothly. I've been brave, 
I be looking these devils right in they face. It don't matter what they do, see, I'm not fake. I just summon God cause he inhabits all the praise. I was searching for love, what a love that I found. Jesus saved me like I was going out of bounds. Now I am telling my friends, kids, and people in sin. God is the reason I win and I don't follow the trends. I'm Jones featuring Beth Williams from the Williams Brothers and G.C. West um, Gospel Rapper and um, hmm, 
I, I love that song because it's nothing but prayer worship to uh, and uh, a basic 808 beat. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, the word that uh, we're coming out of today, verse of the day is Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And I'm telling you, this week was very, very trying. Um, and I had to basically, you know, move myself out of the way um, because things were happening that um, made me very, very uncomfortable. And um, it's a decision to choose to allow the things that are making you uncomfortable um, to overcome what you, you know you're supposed to do. Uh, and I know better. And because I know better, I've got to do better. And <laughs> it, it's challenging. Um, and, and the word is very important to, uh, to, to have in our lives. Um, being able to uh, apply the word is a whole nother story. And, and, and that walk alone um, touched me, you know. So um, I want to apply the word um, to my life, and I want to believe that 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 word is going to uh, help me, you know. Um, so I just encourage uh, each and every one of you to um, read the word and then apply the word, okay? It's very important. So um, that was song number one. Um, the next song, um, is going to be blessed, blessed by, um, blessed by um, Mali music. That's what it is, Mali music. Okay. Like, uh, 
phone texting people, they shit. All the problems saying these are future shit. All your doctor in the thing of future shit. Some questions for some things you just had. basically called surviving spiritual warfare and let's see here oftentimes when we're saved our mind isn't and God has to renew our minds because we are saved but we live we're living as if we're not saved and oftentimes as believers, we have the package of salvation. We have the power of salvation. We have the might of salvation, but we're walking around struggling because we don't know what's in the package. There's benefits to us 
that are in the package. What are those benefits? The riches of his glory, the power of his might. And so it takes time for God to format our minds and, and conform it to the things of God because our will still, want, still wants to go after the patterns of this world and our desires wants to go after the patterns of this world. And God has to conform it to the patterns of the word of God. So why take up this helmet of salvation? Because Satan is after your mind. When I first got saved, my first year into salvation, we're talking about why this helmet of salvation. I didn't know this then. First year into salvation, I was zealous. I had a zeal without knowledge. I had a zeal for the things of God. I had, to, I had a zeal for the power of God, and God was moving in my life greatly. It's my first, um, my second year in prison, and my first year as a believer walking out um, salvation. And at this time, the Lord was moving in, um, in my life, and I started a women's Bible, um, a prayer meeting in, in, in the prison and, and God was just moving and, and people were being saved and, 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 and the greatness of God was just moving in that prison and, and it was just a beautiful thing. And one day I was sitting on my top bunk and it was an open dormitory and there was this um, lady, she had been in prison for 15 years and um, she knew of me because of what was happening with the, with the prayer meeting and I knew of her because she was very astute in her religious beliefs and um, she saw me on my top bunk she walked past and about three minutes later she came back and she says hey you're Nadine right and I said yes and she says yeah I heard what you know your 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 women's um, prayer meetings I heard it's going great and I was like okay and um, she said um she started asking me questions about my faith it was rooted in history she was asking me historical dates I was about 21 years old at this time and um, 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 she, this is about 1996, and she was asking me um, um, questions about historical data in the Bible and, and all this information about the Bible. And I'll be honest, I just couldn't answer it because all I knew is that Jesus Christ saved me. Once I was lost and now I'm found, my, my eyes are open. So the dates that you're asking me for, I don't know nothing about. I was blind and now I see. That's all I know. And so she was just asking me. She was hitting me with questions, but her questions were to um, demean me and to demean what I, what I believed. And I'm going to tell you something, church. I didn't have on the helmet. So the seeds were planted in my mind. Have you, ever, have you ever heard a song and days later the song keeps playing in your mind? You're not singing it on your own. It just keeps playing in your Well, that's what happened to me with the things that this, what this woman said to me about my Lord. You know, that it was a man-made religion and and you know, man wrote the Bible and you know, she was just going in and for three weeks, I'll tell you church, I battled. Who, who are you God? I struggled with my salvation. I started doubting the, the, the call of God. I, I, I stopped doing the women's prayer meetings. I, I just, I was, I couldn't meet with those women if I was doubting the God we're meeting in. And so I struggled with that. And I, but I just remember for those three weeks going before God, are you real? Am I really saved? Did you, did you save me? Is this, is this all fake? This is what this woman said to me and I was just struggling. And three weeks later, God spoke to me, church. He said, Nadine, you wanna know truth? I said, yes, Lord, I wanna know truth. He said, when she came up to you, what was on your bed? I said, the Bible. He said, you were sitting in front of truth. You had it open, you were reading truth and you didn't know the author of the truth. And I tell you, I cried, church. 
I was liberated that day. But there's so much importance to the helmet that I did not have on. And so she had left me her pamphlets, her literature, and I found her boy. Yes, I did. I said, here you go. She said, yeah, you read it? I said, no, I found truth. I found truth. She's like, oh, so you read it? I said, no, truth is in the 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. And guess what? And I told her, truth lives in me, for it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. And you can have the same truth, amen? And I walked away and that woman just looked at me like I was crazy. But we went on having Bible studies. We went on having prayer meetings. And I tell you this much, if I had to do those prison years all over again, I would do it. Because what I've learned about God through the struggles. And so we just have to realize what I learned from that moment is that the weapons of our warfare, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, the thoughts, the seeds that are planted in our minds to get us to doubt God, to get us to not believe. It's to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, as much as we serve a real God, we also have a real enemy, church. He doesn't want us to believe that he's real. Lucifer, Satan, devil, whatever he wants to be known as, he is real and his desire is to sift us like wheat. His desire is to sift us like wheat. He doesn't mind you coming to a Bible study. He doesn't mind you serving in ministry. He doesn't mind you leading a life group. He doesn't even mind you leading a ministry. Just don't believe the truth that you read. He just don't want you believing what you open up your Bible and read. He wants to keep you captive. He wants to keep you thinking defeated thoughts because once he knows that once he has your mind, he has you. Because the scripture says, as a man thinks, so is he. Ephesians 6:12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We quote these scriptures, but we still think the issue is with our spouse. We quote these scriptures, but we, we still think it's that supervisor on the job that keeps breathing down our necks or that coworker that can't mind his or her business. We think it's the individual, that child that we raised to live one way, but they've gone another way. But the battle is not flesh and blood. If somebody wanted to do an investigation into Christianity, where would you? It's not with the person sitting next to you. It's with principalities. But thank God be for Jesus Christ, who gives us the power and everything we need to be more than conquerors in the name of Jesus. We need to take up the helmet. This helmet affords us comprehensive coverage. The helmet of salvation protects our thoughts concerning the redemptive work of the cross. As Paul is being chained and he's on house arrest and he's writing this letter to um, the church at Ephesus, 
He's looking across and he's seeing this home Roman soldier in front of him, one to his left and one to his right. And he's have a quill in hand and he's leaning over parchment paper. And as, as he's looking, he says, that's it. Our salvation is like that helmet. It provides us with comprehensive coverage. Coverage of every aspect, coverage of my salvation, coverage of my, of my freedom, coverage of my eternal, um, um, what is awaiting me for all eternity. It provides me with comprehensive coverage. Why? Because everything we need is in that salvation. Everything we need. That day in 1996, the enemy took a blow to my head and I did not have on that helmet. He took a blow to the top part of my head and I did not have on that L helmet. We have to make sure that the helmet is on. Why? It's because the helmet of salvation protects. I wanna tell you that the enemy has a broad sword. And he desires to use that broad sword against the believer's mind. It's a tactic to get us to struggle with our security and our assurance in Christ Jesus. The blow of the enemy will often go in two um, um, specific areas. He would hit us with a blow to, uh, to, to um, attack our, our um, assurance in Christ Jesus, our confidence in Christ Jesus. Another blow that he will come at us with is with discouragement. When you start feeling discouraged, I feel alone, I feel defeated, I can't fight this battle. That day he hit me, when he hit me on that top bunk in that Virginia prison, he hit me concerning my assurance in Jesus Christ. So I started to doubt. That is the main reason why he hits you with the blow concerning your assurance. You start disbelieving God. Ephesians 1 says, says, blessed be God, verse, chapter 1, verse 3. You need to know that your God is abundant. He's lavish. He's bountiful. He's rich. Everything you need is found in him. He's a father that sees. And when you know who your God is, it causes you to see your situation differently. It causes you to engage in circumstances differently. When you know that your God is able, that he's more than able because he's blessed, I am blessed too because he loves me. The riches of his glory, Ephesians 1 talks about, the surpassing greatness of his power, the strength of his might. Listen, this is you and I spiritual DNA. This is who our daddy is. And if he's my God and if he's your God and he's our father, then the riches of his of the prophets God is in there Moses told his people to put scripture in little boxes and tie it to their heads his glory he has afforded to me Everything that I display to you is definitely something that 
um, I had, you know, um, have been given. Uh, and there's a word that's been given like every, every day. I keep it full, filled up with the word um, to give, give me strength to um, be able to um, defeat the enemy uh, because I cannot do it on my own. <laughs> um, we can do many things together, okay? Um, so I'm going to go right into, trying to get better at this, right into the word. And the word is Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 5. And it um, is titled The Fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so pretty much, pretty much um, that's the word. Um, and, um, we're going to go right into the third song, which is Lay Fall by Tasha Cobbs. Laird. Come on, it's the song of intercession. All of these songs we keep singing, all of these praise we keep bringing, yeah. And it's all saying,
Tasha Cobbs Leonard <laughs> and um, let it fall, let your glory fall. Oh my goodness, we can't just listen to those songs and not, you know, um, allow those songs to be real in our lives. You know, they have to be real. Um, you have to be living it, you know, so. Um, alrighty, so we're going to go into the word, and the word is James, coming from James chapter 1, 13 through 16. Okay, and uh, it says, When tempted. No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So, it starts with us wanting something. It starts with uh, the enemy teasing us, enticing us, whispering to us about something that we like. And... Um, we have to bind that. And we can only do that with the Holy Spirit giving us power to do that. Um, we cannot do it on our own. We have to want uh, to do better. Uh, we have to want to, to, to uh, desire righteousness. Uh, me, for a perfect example, um, I don't like when people don't do what they're, they're, they're supposed to do. Um, and sometimes uh, I want to make them do what they're supposed to do. And you cannot make anyone do anything, okay? Uh, all you can do is change your thinking, change your mind about whatever is happening. Um, and I just want to encourage you guys to respect that, you know, like <laughs> if we could change things, then a lot of stuff would be different for real. Um, it is 7.46 p.m., uh, 46 minutes past the hour. Uh, we're moving right along. <laughs> 
Um, I'm trying to get better um, at get better at um, having things in order. <laughs> so um, normally I have uh, a partner here with me, um, but she's being very, very busy serving in the world, trying to get more people hearing about this word of God. And I am so grateful. Um, and I miss her. Uh, shout out to his poet, Trila. Um, but to God be the glory, she's got to do what he says do. And I support that 100%. So I'd be glad when she's back though. <laughs> and uh, I'll be glad when all you guys uh, you guys that he's going to be sending in here um, uh, come in and testify and tell of his goodness. Uh, until then, I'm going to keep on spreading the word this way. That fourth song is called He Promised Me, and it is by B.B. Winans featuring Keandra and uh, Tommy and Toby. Thank <laughs> you. 
for joining. Thank you so much for taking the time to fellowship even through replay listening. I appreciate you so, so much. All righty. Uh, we're going to go right into <clears throat> uh, which I'm really excited to do. We're going to go right into um, reading from the book by Dallas Willard that we've been on for the past month. Um, we're in chapter one and um, we left off last week um, where Mima was basically um, convicted about her relationship with Christ and how she wanted to uh, hear a word from God uh, like the pastor heard from the word. So um, we are here uh, and I will finish um, this this couple paragraphs and go into that um, the moving of God. So basically um, we're all trying to come on common ground to be able to teach God about handling the walk in life and being able to respond the way that he would like us uh, to respond. So, um, so here we are at, I was given a vivid realization, which has never left me, of how such talk places many sincere Christians on the outside looking in. They are not necessarily lacking the experience of hearing God, but they do not understand the language or how their experience works. This leaves them feeling confused and deficient and may lead them to play a game that they do not really understand and that rightly makes them very uncomfortable. It undermines their confidence that they are fully acceptable to God. Mima, in fact, had a richly interactive life with God, as we all knew, but for whatever reasons, she had not been able to relate her experience of God's presence in her life, of which she was completely certain. To the idea of God speaking with her, this left her at a loss for how 
to deal with the conversational side of her friendship with God. Up to that point, I had rashly assumed that if you were really a Christian, then God spoke to you as a matter of course, and you knew it. I was sure that he spoke individually and specifically about what he wanted each believer to do, and that he also taught and made real to individuals the general truths all must believe in order to enter into life with him. That's powerful. Oh my goodness. I want to highlight that. All right. Mm. This is something that I'm getting used to, too. Uh, and to um, being able to maneuver through the pages. Uh, so bear with me on that as well. <laughs> this is our house, and we are going to be comfortable in our house. So everything may not go the way we want it to go, but as long as we stay on the right path, we'll be all right. All right, the moving of God. Later, I came to realize that my confidence was not based on genuine understanding. It came from my experiences in a series of revival meetings in which I was immersed as a young man. During those meetings, I became accustomed to interacting with a characteristic type of thought and impulse, which was, to me, God moving on my mind and heart. This experience was clearly marked out for me, and it guided my actions, though I held no theory or doctrine about it. Then, as I subsequently grew into the ministry, I learned to wait upon the word of God to come to me. In the most prim primary of senses, the word of God is simply God speaking. I also learned to expect his speaking to come through me to others. Experience taught me the remarkable difference between when it was just me talking or even just me quoting and discussing scripture and when a certain something more was taking place. Amen, amen. See, this is amazing. I'm so excited. Experience taught me the remarkable difference. See, I, I have to highlight this. The remarkable difference between when it was me speaking. Ah. Or even just me quoting the discussing scripture and when a certain something more was taking place, when God is saying something, you know, that is powerful. Um, in, in the little uh, initial area here, in the most primary senses, the word of God is simply God speaking. Exactly. Through their writings, great Christians of the past, such as John Calvin and William Law, offered what we might call the ministry of Eli to me. See 1 Samuel 3, 8 through 9. They gave me further insight into what was happening in my experiences and why it was happening. They helped me to identify and respond to experiences of God speaking, just as Eli helped Samuel in the biblical story. They also assured me that the same spirit who delivered the scriptures 
to holy men of old speaks today in the hearts of those who gather around the written word to minister and be ministered to. And they warned me that only if this happened, could I avoid being just another more or less clever letter learned scribe. Oh my goodness. Father God, I want so badly for his will to be done. Seriously, yeah, my goodness. Um, oof, that's amazing. Wow. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna make this bigger. Okay, all right. Okay. Wow, they gave me further insight into what was happening in my experiences and why it was happening. They helped me to identify and respond to experiences of God speaking, just as Eli helped Samuel in the biblical story. Wow. That's powerful. I'm going to highlight that too, guys. Okay. Um, they also assured me that the same spirit who delivered the scriptures to holy men of, of old speaks today in the hearts of those who gather around the written word to minister and to be ministered to. And they warned me that only if this happened could I avoid being just another more or less clever letter learned scribe trying to nourish the souls of my hearers out of the contents of my own brain giving them only what I was able to work up through my own efforts from the Bible or elsewhere. Father God, it was not easy. However, for me to see that our most sacred experiences often blind us, the light that makes it possible for us to see may also dazzle our eyes to the clearest of realities and make it impossible for us to see and what lies in the shadow. Caught up in my own experiences of the workings of God's voice, I did not really understand it at all. I only knew its reality, and I thoughtlessly assumed it was a functioning intellectual fact in every believer's life. Obviously, I had a lot to learn, and obviously, we all have a lot to learn. Seriously. Seriously. Help me, oh God, to share this experience that I'm having with you. In the name of Jesus. For So for a long while, I was unable to appreciate the huge problems that the idea of God speaking to us created for some of the most faithful adherents of the church, not to mention those entirely outside of it. When someone seemed to have difficulty with hearing God, I simply passed it off as a sign, seemed to have as a sign of weakness of faith or even rebellion on their part. Yet I could not entirely avoid being aware that many faithful, devout Christians can make no sense of, of being guided by God, except 
perhaps as it comes in the form of outright necessities imposed by force of circumstances. I saw them driven to turn all guidance into blind force, rigidly controlling guidance and to treat God's will as nothing but fate. And I was distressed at how often people identified some brutal events as God's will, even when it clearly came from a decision made by human beings. They then easily moved on to the faith-destroying, even blasphemous idea that everything that happens in the world is caused by God. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That is so powerful right there, guys. Mm. That's powerful. Mm. We will uh, go into the ongoing conversation <laughs> next week, guys. Um, it is 8.04 p.m., four minutes past the hour. Uh, norm normally, you know, it's supposed to be just one hour, um, but I'm telling you, it's been going over an hour. <laughs> Um, this touches my heart so much because, like, seriously, I want to only do God's will. I don't want no part of me in it, you know, and in order for this to, in order for you guys to have the experience that I have with him is for his will to be done, and I need to be doing his will. I need to be in alignment and, and, and um, allowing myself to be used as a vessel. And that's, that's my heart, like, that's everything to me, you know? Um, so we're going to stop there with the book. And um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, um, oh my goodness. Um, amazing go ahead and share this this last word and um it's not the very last word but romans 12 21 do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good you know powerful powerful word. and then proverbs 14 12 there is a way that appears to be right but in the end it leads to death Okay, and that's the uh, NIV version, um, and and there's the other one by the New King James version, where it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end uh, is is the way, but its end is the way of death. Um, so uh, basically, you know. Seriously, we might think that we're doing the right thing, and and but we that right thing that we think that we're doing, it's not right. You might be wanting to give somebody, you know, uh, some money on 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 the street or or a family member or a friend, but if God didn't want that to be done, you're doing the wrong thing, like, and you think you think that you're doing the right thing. So, um, the word is is, is so powerful for us to, you know, basically apply it to our lives. So I'm gonna go into um, this word that I, that I was studying earlier today and um, 
It's with uh, Dr. Tony Evans, and it's called uh, The Strategy of Satan, okay? And basically how he sets, sets us up for uh, what he wants to distract us with, attaching to God. Negative repercussions. Like an illusionist at a magic show. Some of these things these guys can do are just spectacular. And one of the main reasons that they are able to cause us to go, oh, wow, is because they do something over here to get our attention while they're doing something else over there. In other words, they distract us from what they're really about. Uh, Satan is not going to tell you up front, I'm here to destroy your future. He's not, not going to tell you that. He's going to be crafty, sneaky, slithery. And we, we know what that means. So a subordinate creature, the Bible calls Satan a counterfeit. It says he has counterfeit doctrine, counterfeit miracles, counterfeit spirits, counterfeit teachers. In order to do one thing, deceive. We know what that looks like to have been duped, tricked, because it didn't look like deception. Some of, some of you have gotten what I've recently gotten in my mail from a credit card company. Congratulations. Congratulations. You have been awarded a $5,000 increase on your credit limit. You are now, because they want to make you feel good, platinum. Who, who doesn't want to be platinum? Who doesn't want to feel platinumish? And you are a preferred customer. So they've made me, they made me feel good about me. They tell me that I'm worthy to have a higher credit limit. But behind all that, behind all that, and the reason I know what's behind it is because I pay consequences. Some of you know what it is to be paying on something, minimum amount, year after year after decade after decade after decade, all because they made you feel good. Gave you a platinum sense of yourself. You started smelling yourself. So, he wants you to miss him. And so he uses something that's crafty, but slithery. And will make even God part of the conversation. What's the second thing he does? That's in verse 1, 2. Indeed, has God said, you should not eat from any tree of the garden. He wants you to think God is holding out on you. He never references all the trees she could eat from. He wants to talk about the one tree that you got a no-no on. He doesn't talk about all the freedom that you have from every tree of the garden you may freely eat. He wants to talk about, well, let's, let's talk about what God said 
relative to what you can't do. He says, you shall not eat. He wants to paint God as a God who's trying to keep you from having a good time. And he does it, oh, magnificently. He reduces a command and makes it a question. See, when we started, God said, I command you not to eat. He says, Can, let, me, let me just ask you a question. Tell me what you think about this. See, when we reduce God's command and turn it into a question, we've lessened its impact. Because he just asked me a question. Can somebody ask me a question? God's no's are so we can enjoy his yeses. Did you hear that? God's no's, don't eat from that tree, is so that you can eat from all the other trees. What they're going to find out is when you eat from that one tree, you lose all the mother trees. His no's are to protect his yeses. Every tree of the garden you may freely eat. God is a big, big God on freedom. Big on freedom. But when he puts that no in, a lot of, he tells, he tells singles, okay, I don't want you to have sex outside of marriage, okay? That's what he tells singles. And Satan says, God holding out on you. And it looks like God is not fair. He's done a number on us. And so what he does in doing that is to not only bring consequences, but keep us from ever getting around to all the stuff that's the free benefits that he wants to bring into your life by getting you stuck in this one tree. In fact, you let the New Testament tell it, 1 Corinthians 7, the single should be a lot happier than the married folk. That, that's what Paul says. Paul says singles should be, singles should be shouting. If you don't believe me, ask the married folk you're sitting next to. It's like the child that complains at Christmas about the one toy they didn't get so they don't even get to enjoy the toys that they did have. Satan is saying, God is trying to hold out on you. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to enjoy everything that's out there to be enjoyed. Now, let me explain something at this point. That a lot of people are confused. I, I know uh, Flip Wilson made it famous, the devil made me do it. So let's get something corrected. The devil cannot make you sin. He, he, doesn't, have, he, doesn't, he doesn't have that kind of juice. He can't, he can't make you sin. Why? Because Colossians 2 says that the death of Christ defeated him. So he cannot force you to sin. Since he can't force you to sin, he makes you want to. Because he can't impose sin on you, he starts messing with your mind. And so the way he does that is deceiving the thought pattern so that you begin to think differently, we begin to think differently than we ought to, so it becomes our decision influenced by him, not 
enforced by him. So that means we can't blame the devil any longer. Not from the force standpoint. What he does is he plants his thought into your mind until it becomes your thought. And so then it influences your action, my action, our action. So the second one is God is holding out on you. He's keeping that tree from you. When God's whole point of restriction was to enhance freedom. The third strategy. The woman responds, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, verse 3, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it or touch it or you're going to die. He said to the woman, you surely will not die. Okay? There will be no consequences. So what is he getting at here? What God said is not going to happen. I know God told you that, but don't buy it. Strategy. God's word cannot be trusted. You can't believe that Bible. You can't act on that Bible. You can't, you can't trust that. that. That was written 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. If you're going into the Old Testament, they, they don't know what you're dealing with. They, they didn't have all this technology. They, uh, God, you can't buy that. God's word cannot be trusted. says in Romans 3 verse 4 let God be true and every man a liar let God be true and everybody who disagrees with him is lying even if they a good liar the Bible says in John chapter 8 verse 44 Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies well there's a couple of things there number one he's a born liar Anybody know any born liars? Just, okay, born liar. They've been lying since. Not only, not only is he a born liar, but he's the father of lies, which means he got chillings. If you're a father, you got children. So he spawns deception. He he replicates deception. He says. God's word cannot be trusted like Don Cornelius and the Soul Train Scramble Board. He gets all the words out of order and you can't, you can't buy that. It's all, you can't buy that. That's not real and right for the day. So skip his no trespassing sign. You're not going to die. This is not going to hurt you. You're not going to get into trouble. You're not going to catch a disease. You're not going to live a lifetime in debt. You're not going to become emotionally unstable. You're not. You're not. You're not. It's okay. You got to check out whoever's talking to you, whether they're a child of the father of liars. Don't worry, it's, it's not going to be that bad. 
There are probably enough folk in the audience today who know, yeah, it can be that bad. It really can be that bad. You talk about deception, it reminds me of the story of the banker who was uh, duck hunting. The banker was duck hunting. The banker, this duck comes across, the duck picks up and goes, bam! Shoots the duck out the sky. The duck falls into a farmer's land. The banker, who was doing the duck hunting, goes to get the duck, but the farmer's standing out there. The farmer said, that ain't your duck. What do you mean it's not my duck? I shot the duck, yeah, but it fell on my property. So that's my duck. Oh, the banker said, oh, no, it's not. I shot the duck, that's my duck. The farmer said, oh, no, it's not. That duck is on my property. This is private property. You can't have that duck. The banker said, well, I tell you what. There's a way we can resolve this. I'm going to let you hit me as hard as you can. You hit me as hard as you can. Fall your fist and hit me. Then you let me hit you as hard as I can. And whoever screams the least gets the duck. Of course, the banker's younger than the farmer. and You know, he's in shape, so he feels like, uh, this is going to be my duck because I'm going to hurt this man. So, farmer, you go first. Farmer cocks back. Bam! Hits the banker, the banker falls to the ground with a little groan. Mm. Farmer gets up after a moment, gets himself together. Okay. Now it's my turn. Farmer says, that's okay, you can have a duck. Satan just wants to hurt us. You're not going to die. One, one of the things most of us have learned on some level is when we play with sin, then sin winds up playing with us. You're in charge of it one moment, and then it's in charge of you the next. A moment, months, years, decades. And it is a challenge because we are being bombarded in our world today on every level. This leads him to another strategy. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like, you will be like God. He says, look, let me explain why God does not want you to eat from this tree. God is selfish. God doesn't want anybody to be like him but him. And because God is selfish and knows if you eat this tree, you're going to know as much as God knows, be as smart as God is. He wants to keep you from being like him. He doesn't want you to be his equal when he knows you could be his equal. Of course, that was Satan's whole goal, to be God's equal in Isaiah 14. So God doesn't want you to be his equal and to keep you from being his equal. He doesn't want you to get that tree because then you won't need him anymore. Because you're going to know it all yourself. You will be like God. 
And what was the one thing Satan wanted more than anything else when he rebelled against God? He wanted his independence. He did not want to have to answer to God anymore. And our rebellion is a desire for our independence. Because if I'm like you, and if I'm equal to you, I don't have to submit to you. If we're on the same level at work, you don't get to boss me. Not if we're on the same level. If you can become like God, if man can become like God, if governments can become like God, they don't have to answer to God because they are like him. God doesn't want you to, he not want anybody to be like him. You all remember during Michael Jordan's heyday. Everybody wanted the commercials. You want to be like Mike, remember? Everybody want to be like Mike. Superstar Michael Jordan. So folks wanting to be like Mike went out and bought Jordans. They Jordans. Parents went into debt to get their kids Jordans. Because they want to be like Mike. Buy jersey number 23. Because they want to be like Mike. I got news for you. Putting on Jordans don't make you like Mike. Wearing a jersey with number 23 doesn't make you fly. You don't become like Jordan simply because you got a phrase. Oh, you like basketball. There must be an ability that matches your shoes. You just can't look the part and be like Mike. And you just can't act the part and be God. He is in a class by himself and he will always resist. Anybody who seeks to be independent of him with the consequences of your rebellion. God so much doesn't want man to try to be like him, which he could never be, but even to carry that thought, he told Israel, you can't even take a picture of me. You, you can't take a picture of me, make no graven image in the Ten Commandments of me. Don't you create something you think might coulda looked like me. Because anything you come up with is going to be a bad photograph. You remember how they used to have those photograph machines in the mall? And you go put your little money in and you sit in that seat, you pull that curtain, and you sit down, and then they take a picture and four little pictures come out. And you take those pictures, don't show nobody them pictures. Them some ugly pictures. In fact, we apologize for our picture. That's not a good, that's not a good picture of me. Yeah, it is. You just don't like it, but God said, don't photograph me. Don't create an image of me. Why? Because I'm in a class by myself. And anything you come up with is going to make me look bad. So he says, I am who I am. I'm not who you want me to be. God is selfish. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me talk a minute now. 
about this tree. God knows if you eat from this tree, you will have the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? So let's, let's, let's look at this tree. This tree has two things on it, good and evil. Okay? But it's a Google tree. It's a Google tree because it's information, knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. So you will be able to Google all the information necessary for you to know what God knows because you're going to be like God. So you will have this comprehensive knowledge without God. Okay? Stick with me here. You won't be like God, but you won't need God. You will be able to determine and discover good and evil, but you can leave God out of the equation of the discovery. There is good and evil information, but evil has not entered into the world yet other than the presence of Satan, there is no evil. So what he is saying is there is an information base of knowledge that will discuss things you don't know anything about and you can get that without God because you will have become your own God because you will be like God, therefore you won't need God to discover your own truth. As I tell you often, many of you living with, with people who want to be like you, parent. They're called teenagers. <laughs> who think they know what they're talking about? They talk like professionals. <laughs> they talk like experts. The reason why you've got this teenage strife in your home, or you may have had it, gave it to your parents, or given it to your parents, you have that strife is because they want to be like you. They want to be parent. So there's a conflict. You say in a moment, they ain't but, but two grown folk in this house. You create a distinction right away. The problem is they want their independence while still depending. Oh. You ain't missed that. See, they want their independence. Don't tell me what to do, just feed me. Don't tell me what to do, but you got to get me some clothes. Don't tell me what to do, but you got to take me where I need to go because I haven't got my driver's license yet. So I want to be independent, but I still want you to cover me. No, you want to be that independent. Why don't you cover yourself and see how that goes? <laughs> see, what we're doing with, is we're living in a world now who has insisted on independence, and God has said, you got it. And the result of consequences. What was the consequence? He says, you're going to die. Because remember, death is not cessation of life, cessation of life. Death is an illegitimate separation. So when a body dies, it's only dead because the soul left. There was a separation which made the body inactive. There's economic death, social death, environmental death, relational death. There's all kind of deaths. So we, a lot of us in here are dying, are dead in a certain category.
because we ate from the independence tree. I want my data without God and I will determine truth, right and wrong and I will do it independently of God because I want to be like God. I want to be my own God. It reminds me of Muhammad Ali. He's on an airplane. True story. Muhammad Ali is on the airplane during his heyday. He's sitting on the plane. The stewardess comes back and says, bye and says, Mr. Ali, will you buckle your seatbelt? We, we're getting ready to take off. She comes back down the aisle. Ali has not buckled his seatbelt. She said, Mr. Ali, I really do need you to buckle your seatbelt. We, we, we need to take off. Muhammad Ali says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Stuart has said, Superman don't need no plane. You need to buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> you ain't all that. I don't care how much education you have, what degrees you have, what notoriety you have, what success you have, what money you have, where you live, what car you drive, what car, what clothes you wear. You cannot be like him. He is in a class by himself, and you are to submit all of those categories to him. When you don't, consequences. He says, you're going to die. And so, so many of us are dying. Dying with regret. Dying with debt. <laughs> dying with relationships we're just dying not knowing that's a consequence not just something that happened bad bad luck it is I know it's a consequence of sin which we've all faced on various levels finally verse 6 his final move it says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. If it feels good, do it. When she saw that the tree was good for food, that tree was always good for food. That's why he told her to eat it. But here's what he did. He let her see the tree through his eyes. Because she's now looking at this tree different than when she talked about it earlier. When she saw the tree was good, she'd been passing that tree in the middle of the living room of that house every day. But when she saw the tree was good for food, why did she look at the tree differently? Because now evil has been dropped from the conversation. See, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But now she's only seeing the good part of the tree. And isn't that how deception works? You only see the good part. You don't see the outcome. If they told you that hit with that marijuana or that crack is going a few years from now have you an addict needing to get the monkey off your back. If you could see you in that condition with the evil, it would change how good that hit is up front. If you could see yourself with three children out of wedlock and a single parent on welfare trying to make it, if you could see that in advance, then all of a sudden, sex wasn't, that, wasn't all that. 
It wasn't all that. You can see the evil, but what he wants to do is erase the evil and you just fall in love with the good. Isn't that so good? So he increases her physical appetite. When she saw the tree was good for food, physical appetite. Then on top of increasing her physical appetite, he increases her emotional appetite. It was desirable. That's what it said. It was desirable. She was feeling that tree. She feeling the tree. That, that tree didn't gotten a gizzard. She, she feeling that tree. Then he increased her intellectual appetite. Her intellectual appetite. It, it can make one wise. I can really be smart. The danger of so many of us, and we have a fairly educated constituency here, is that you have allowed your degrees to rule over the word of God. You've allowed human wisdom and intellect, and all truth is God's truth. There's nothing wrong with getting educated and becoming more skillful, but whenever that truth conflicts with divine revelation, you are ignorant. The Bible calls it fool. The Bible calls that a fool. But that is the knowledge of a fool when you're smarter than God. It's like Nietzsche who made his great philosophical statement because man has become so educated and philosophically astute. God is dead, signed Nietzsche. A few years later, Nietzsche died. Somebody wrote the sign, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. That's why, that's why, okay, hold on. You are to respect all people. The Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. If people have accomplished something, if they've done great things, you are to honor that. But what you are not to do is turn them into an American idol. Because they ain't all that. Yes, they have achieved, you respect it, you recognize it. But you got to understand, there are a lot of fools out there who've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we are impressed with. We are impressed with. Never mind they, they, they popping pills to, to survive. Never mind that they strung out on drugs. Never mind that they can't stay married. Never mind, that they, never mind all that. They just can sing or rap or, 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 or they're smart with a degree. Never mind all that. We, we get impressed with the wrong folk. Honor it, recognize it, but don't turn it into an American idol. Because just like you, they're going to die. There is a way that seems right to man. Proverbs 14, 12 says, but the end thereof is death. Proverbs, Proverbs says in, in Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verses 13 to 18, it says, you are to eat from the tree of life, which will give you wisdom. 
Because you know our biggest problem today, all of us on varying levels, our biggest problem is our lack of discernment. If I, if I would boil it down to our biggest problem, we are not able to discern. So we get impressed with the front stuff that looks impressive because we haven't discerned the back stuff. That's the end of the story. So we, we lack discernment, and that is the one thing that spiritual people have according to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. Spiritual people know how to discern, it says, between good and evil. They're not faked out because it looks good up front. They are able to see good and evil. Why? Because they're eating not from the tree of independence. They're eating from the tree of life, which gains wisdom. And so, James 1 sums it up. In James chapter 1, we read these verses, in verses 13 to 16. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not attempt anyone. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth what? Death. It doesn't mean you're going to drop dead physically. It means something's going to die. There will be an illegitimate separation. So Satan's strategy can be balled down to one word, deception. That, 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 because some whole thing up is he deceives us. And, you know, we're not picking on anybody because everybody's been tripped up at some level. But when you find where a trap is, you don't keep walking over it. You got you to gotta address that trap, and then you got you to gotta move on, but you don't just keep walking. You ever see people go over the same thing over and over again? They're doing the same thing over and over, over and over, over and over, over and over. Two mischievous boys one day went into a department store, and they were... They wanted to be mischievous, and so what they did was they, they took the tags off of the couture expensive garments and put the price tags on cheap garments. Then they took the tags off of the cheap garments and put those tags on the expensive garments. So the expensive garments had cheap tags, and the cheap garments had expensive tags on them. So when folks came into the store, they were buying expensive things for low cost, and buying inexpensive things for high cost because the tags have been switched. What Satan has done is he switched the tags on us. And he's got us spending a lot of our lives and our time on our, and our energy on cheap stuff. Because he didn't switch the tags. Not understanding what God has provided for us free of charge. Because he switched the tags. So the question on the floor is, do you want to avoid any future consequences? And do you want to see as much mercy as God can give you for current consequences? Because if you're tired of consequences, 
you qualify. God's abundant grace. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'll give you glory and I give you honor. I love you so much. Oh my God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. I thank you so, so much. We cannot do this without God. There's no way. It is 8.43, 40 minutes uh, past the hour. Um, I hope that these seeds that I planted, uh, God waters them and ministers to your souls. Guys, I love you so much. God's babies. Um, thank you for a replay listening. Um, I look forward to seeing you uh, the day that you are compelled to join. Uh, <laughs> if you um, are listening, please comment below. Tell me about what you want to talk about. Tell me what God has spoken to you about. Um, because when we talk about it, we expose all the whispers and secrets. And we can move forward and break the chains, you know, that bind us. Um, they try to keep us bound. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray out. And uh, I pray that you have a wonderful weekend and that you keep God near you. <laughs> very, very near you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to be a vessel. Father, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I love you. I need you. We need you. Help us come together, Lord, on common ground. Help us to lift your name up, for we were made to worship. And as I said, I will continue to say, Lord, help me, guide me. In the name of Jesus, let your will be done. Thank you.